and welcome to Broads You Should Know, the podcast about amazing and noteworthy women from history. I'm Sarah Gorski. And I'm Chloe Skye. And I, today, am bringing you another multi-broad episode, which are my favorite as of recent, but seemed appropriate because we have got to talk at least a little bit about some of these amazing broads of the Tokyo Olympics. I have heard a few of these stories, and I am looking forward to them. There are some really amazing things happening, and I just want to talk about some of these amazing, specifically women of the Olympics, because there's a few things that are particularly worth talking about. I'm not going to talk much about like everybody's like histories and stuff like that. I just kind of want to run down the big, the big accomplishments and awesome moments. So I encourage, as always, listeners, if you are like really interested in learning more about somebody, all of them have like huge lives and work hard and are amazing. So there's much more here than what I'm going to be giving you just now. So I'm going to start with skateboarding. Skateboarding made its debut as a sport this Olympics. It's never been competed before. Olympically. Olympically. Uh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Which is so cool because skateboarding is baller. But Chloe, did you know skateboarding has been completely dominated by baby girls who are preteens and teens? I did not know this. That's awesome. Like the the skate culture of the 90s and early 2000s was like super male dominated. Like every yeah. skater's name I know is a, is a guy's name. So that's great to hear. It's absolutely incredible. And so we have 12-year-old, 12-year-old Japanese girl, Kokona Hiraki. She took silver and she's one of the youngest medalists in Olympic history history. So she medaled and then also Sky Brown from Great Britain, 13 years old, she also medaled. And these like little baby girls on their skateboards and I just can't believe it. That's so great. And like who knew like I wonder I I have I don't know skateboarding as a sport. But by the way, audience, I like don't know any sports except the only one that I do, which is CrossFit. So (laughs) and that is a completely separate games. It's not part of the Olympics. Yet Ironically, it happened the same time as the Olympics this year, which is kind of ridiculous from a marketing perspective. Right, yeah. Like, why? Anyway. But wait, aren't there, like, elements of CrossFit infused in some of the, or maybe I have it backwards, but, like, the, I know that you're probably going to talk about the trans woman who, like, failed to snatch or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that seems like a that seems like a CrossFit thing I used to do when I did CrossFit was the snatching. <laughs> when you did, did when did you do CrossFit, Chloe? I did it uh How can we even talked about this? 2016, <laughs> 2017 for I did it for like a year. Well CrossFit's supposed to be it's supposed to be like an amalgamation. Like it's supposed to be like all of the fitness, like all of the fitness put together into one sport is like right. what it claims to be. So anyway, we don't need to talk about it anymore. We're talking <laughs> about the Olympics. Obviously, gymnastics is worth talking about. Obviously, the biggest piece of news in the gymnastics has been Simone Biles, who got the twisties and decided to leave. I feel like this news is everywhere and everyone knows about it. So I'm not going to like go back and tell the whole story of it. I just wanted to say that I think it's brave as fuck to take yourself out of danger and to trust your teammates. And it shows like some a true level of camaraderie and true self-love that I just have never seen on display on such a public way before. Definitely. Mad kudos. Mad kudos. And I hope and I do think that the world and the Olympics are going to be forever transformed because of that decision. That's probably true. I, I do. I'm like filled with this hope that like we're entering a new era where... The abuse of people 
where people are, won't let that happen anymore and where people yeah. can stand up for themselves. So I just love it. And also, despite it all, Simone ended up going back in for the balance beam and she did get bronze. Like she, she was able to, you know, the, the literal thing she had, the twisties is like a, it's a problem with the liquid in your ear, the fluid in your ear. Oh, It's like a, so she was able to like kind of work through it with her coaches. Anyway, I think who gets overlooked and who shouldn't at all be overlooked. And I think she's less overlooked now is Sunissa Lee or Suni, she goes by, who won an all-around competition. She's also American, and she filled in when Simone stepped out, and she ended up winning gold for the individual all-around. There's these awesome... I was reading these great quotes and reading more about them and their friendship, because they're actually friends, Suni and Simone. Like, they're on the... Obviously, they do team gymnastics as its own comp- competitive bucket, and then gymnastics has all the individual events, too, all these, there's way, there's way too many events for a non-sports person to really be able to follow really well. So I'm doing my best, guys. Everyone <laughs> listening. Basically, so when so- Simone stepped away from the team final, Suni took her place to finish because it was a team event. And there's a great quote from Suni later where she says, quote, I went out on that floor and I just chucked every single thing. When I had to go out there and do it, I, I just went out there and did it. I needed to do what I needed to do. And she helped the team still clinch a silver even without Simone. But um, Suni's story is super, super intense. So her parents fled Vietnam as children, and they ended up in Minnesota. And when she was really young, her parents saw her like flipping around in the backyard. And her dad built her a balance beam with a mattress under it so she could practice. Wow. And gymnastics in general is known to be like kind of an elitist sport in the sense of like it's expensive. Definitely. Because, like the equipment. I think a lot of like, Olymp- Olympic sports are pretty cost prohibitive. Yes. And Sunni's family like was not of the, they're, you know, they're not of the, the, the wealthier classes. That's a, that's a, that's a supportive dad. Yes. And so she worked her butt off and then she got, she didn't really start working and doing gymnastics. She got noticed and recognized around like the age of six, which I guess in gymnastics is actually pretty late, they say. Because they like to start them yeah, extra young. Yeah. But anyway, so she so this gym recognized her and they brought her in and she started training there. And she trains for like a decade. She's working her ass off. And then two years ago, her dad is paralyzed in an accident. He falls off a ladder. Oh shit. And then COVID happens and is shut down and they lost they they lose two family members to COVID. Oh God. And when she finally the gym finally opens back up after the super shutdowns, she breaks right. her foot. Oh and she's God. out for like three months. So she's had like a, a crazy rough time. She's got to have some feelings about the fact that the Olympics are happening in Japan where COVID rates are so high. There's that whole like protest about like, please postpone or cancel the Olympics because COVID is everywhere. From what I read in all these articles, none of the none of the competitors felt that way. I guess they're they're safer. And the gymnastics, or not gymnastics, the Olympics in general were were pushed anyway because of COVID. Like the, it's already happening later than it was supposed to. And athletes, you know, train for specific times. Like they time, you know, like my friend is training for a marathon right now in November, and he's running races now to work for it. So like you tr- you train like the whole you know the whole year of this time period. So when the dates shift, it's really like it like really fucks with you. So I guess during the shutdown and all of the COVID, her and Simone were like they kind of bonded, and they used to be like competition. It used to feel like a little bit more like oh she's like, who I got to beat and she's who I got to beat. But then they started texting and Snapchatting. They got through it all together, and then Suni won gold. 
And I can't, I just can't, like, this is like a very heart-filled episode for me because I just can't get over the camaraderie that I'm seeing in all these stories. And like when SUNY won, Simone got on her Instagram and was like, congrats, I'm so, 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 so proud of you. And later Simone told, told the press, it just shows you how amazing and well-trained she is and how brave and smart she is. And there's just so much fucking love. I fucking love it. And then to top it all, in gymnastics, there's even more love and there's cross-country love because apparently the U.S. team... And the Chinese team, they were like totally cheering each other on and rooting for each other. There's these two Chinese gymnasts, uh, Guan Chenchen and Tang Zhijing. They won silver and gold respectively in the balance beam final. And previously, Guan had said Simone was her hero. So actually beating Simone is like, holy shit. And when the results were announced, Simone like go up, comes up to Guan and gives her this huge hug. And uh, and Suni comes up, and she had been cheering Guan, Guan's whole routine too, and they were all hugging, spreading the love, and and like publicly and on social, they were just saying, "I love her so much, and I'm so proud of her," and I just can't, I just love it. And you know, China, U.S. relations in general, politically, have really sucked. And to see these athletes, these young women, to just love love on each other, I just couldn't get enough of it. So that's gymnastics. That's huge. Katie Ledecky in swimming is blowing everyone literally out of the water. All right. She, by the way, like everyone knows the name Michael Phelps, right? She has more individual gold medals than any swimmer in history except Michael Phelps. No, okay. Then we should know her name. She is insane. Say it again. She, she, Katie Ledecky. Katie Ledecky. She, I'm going to commit that to memory. Katie Ledecky. And she's undefeated in every 800 meter freestyle race she's competed in for Ooh. 11 years. Ooh. She got a top time 800 meters in eight minutes, 12 seconds, and 57 nanoseconds. 800 meters is a half mile. That's like fast as shit. Yeah. By the way, she's won gold in three consecutive Olympics and she's only 24. Whoa. Okay. What the what? So Katie she won, her first Olympics was she, she was sixteen. That's crazy. Okay, go her. She's young, and she didn't just do the eight hundred too. She like she won silver in the four hundred free. There's a lot of swimming events, by the way. Oh, I know. I used to be a swimmer. The numbers all refer to the meters and like the distance, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> and then there's yep. different strokes. <laughs> so so she won silver in the four hundred freestyle. She got fifth in the two hundred freestyle. And then 90 minutes after the 200 freestyle, she wins gold in the 1500 meter freestyle. She's amazingly good. So Katie Ledecky, folks. Katie Ledecky is the swim queen. And maybe at, like she intends, it looks like, to compete in the Olympics at least a couple more times before she decides oh, to yeah, she's Oh, yeah. She's got a good two or three more Olympics in her. She easily, I think, could, could kick Phelps out of his king spot, which is, you know, secretly what I'm rooting for, even though <laughs> I sort of like Michael Phelps. Yeah, I would support that. Okay, so weightlifting. Okay, here we go to weightlifting. This is the stuff you half know about, Chloe. Right, yeah. <laughs> so first we have Hidalyn Diaz, who's from the Philippines, and she won the first ever gold medal for the Philippines. Yay! And apparently, it was a crazy year for everybody because of COVID, but apparently she was like in transit to an Olympics qualifying event, and she was in Malaysia when all of the travel got shut down. And so she was stuck in Malaysia. And she said, I found an article interviewing her, and she said that she basically built a gym and trained with water bottles. 
You know what? I actually listened to an interview with her on a, on another podcast where she talked all about that and how it Did was just you really? like Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, she won gold, Chloe. Go her. I I, I did wonder if that was going to happen cuz it was pre it was pre Olympics happening that I listened to it. And go go Philippines. Go Oh, I have so many Filipino friends. Like definitely. I'm always rooting for the Philippines in my heart. And then we also have in weightlifting, we have Laurel Hubbard, who you already mentioned. Mm -hmm. She is the first trans woman to compete in weightlifting. Um, Hell yeah. And she didn't medal though, right? She did not medal. I'm almost glad. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there was all this controversy, right? Like people were so uppity about it because people are ignorant twats. They sure are. Know anything about what it means to be a trans person and what it means to transition. And people are like, oh, she used to be a he, so she's automatically going to win weightlifting or something. And it's right. just so, it's just an ignorant thing to say. Yep. And I hate people in general, so I try not to <laughs> give them any credit. So Lauren, when she was in her 20s, she was, she was kind of a rising star in men's weightlifting. But she was struggling. She said, quote, the pressure of trying to fit into the world that wasn't really set up for people like myself. Um, that's how she kind of described it. Who can relate? <laughs> she began transitioning in... 2012 and then after more than 15 years she started working to return to competitive weightlifting but as a woman so she's 43 which is quite quite old in olympics years but she's like 10 years older than all the other athletes in her heat that Mm. she competed in hey good for a 43 year old woman for getting into the olympics hell yeah so she didn't medal this year um one of her lifts uh, one of her snatches, which is when you take the bar for in a wide grip from the floor to over your head, mm-hmm. um, it was marked by the judges as incomplete. So she like didn't like lock it out. Like I, mm-hmm. I didn't find the exact detail of it. Before she left the platform, she like gave this big smile and she cupped her hands in a heart. And then later she said, "Quote: My performance wasn't what I had hoped, but I'm humbled by the support I've received from so many around New Zealand. Aww, I am so aware nice. that my participation has been controversial." Thank you to the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, for living up to the Olympic values and showing that sport is for all and that weightlifting can be done by all types of people. Yay. Yeah. Like many facts about that is openly transgender athletes have been permitted to compete in the Olympics since 2004. Really? But this is the first year that they have done so. Oh, wow. Wow. It's been permitted since 2004? Yeah. I didn't even know the word transgender in 2004. Yeah, I didn't look into the more specifics about it. Like, maybe they didn't have the rules set, like, more specifics about... I, I don't know how, you know, what... How. Right. And I'm sure there were plenty of big conspiracies to stop it from happening. Like, Jesus. I saw Russia's, like, public reaction to her existence. Ugh. Well, Russians are notoriously extremely anti-queer, which sucks. Um... In addition to Laurel, there were three other transgender slash non-binary athletes competing this year. There was a soccer star, Quinn, a skateboarder, Alana Smith, and an American BMX freestyle rider, Chelsea Wolfe. I think that Quinn was going to get, I think the soccer team was going to get a medal. So I think Quinn is going to end up with a medal. I didn't follow up on that one. Um, bonus stats though, because this is also, I think really cool is a record number this year of LGBTQ athletes are competing. There's 179 and that's three times as many as competed in Rio four years ago. Fucking awesome. Fuck yeah for representation. Fuck yeah for equality. I'm for it. Okay. Uh, next I got some wrestling 
Tamira Mensah-Stock. Have you heard about her? No. Oh, my God. She's the first U.S. black woman to win gold for wrestling and only the second Hell woman yeah. from the U.S. To, to win gold at all. All right. She's 28, and her, her final match was between her and this badass Nigerian chick. And her interview is just this huge joy to watch. She's adorable. And apparently she's giving, she said this in her interview, which is why I included it in this, because I think it's adorable. You know, gold medalists get some money. I think they said it was like around $37,000. She's giving it to her mom to buy a food truck, because that's been her mom's lifelong dream. And I can't, I can't, my heart, my heart. Okay, next we got running. There's so much running, but I just have three for this episode. Allison Felix, she is killing it. Like, in total, she's won 10 medals across five Olympic Games. She's a super fast runner, and she got the bronze in the 400 meter, which is like about a quarter of a mile. And she gave birth like two years ago and has been making a comeback from that. And... She's, like, just proven herself, like, time and time again. And I think that women who are bouncing back from that shit, like, that's not easy shit. And I'm always amazed. Um, yeah. she, she ran the 400 meters in 49 seconds and 46 nanoseconds. Which is only her second fastest time ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. God I damn. mean, amazingly fast. Okay, then we have this other awesome chick, Sifan Hassan. So uh, she is Dutch from the Netherlands, and she's running the 1500 meter, or one of the qualifiers, so not the final one, but like one of the qualifier ones. And on the last lap, the, this runner ahead of her trips, and because they're like all running and they're all like on top of each other, basically, like it's, you know, at that point in the race, they're like just turned, I think, like the, the you know, the corner of the track, and they're all right together, and then they all like, there's this, they all hit each other, right? And she falls she tries to jump over this person who tripped in front of her. She falls face first and, and she gets up and she's in last place now after the fall. And she puts the pedal to the metal, passes eight runners and finishes first. <laughs> Holy shit. Fucking amazing. What? And the only reason she didn't end up winning gold was because the gold was won by a woman named Faith. Kipyagan from Kenya. She ran the fifteen hundred in three fifty three eleven. She God. also just had a baby two years ago, and she has been struggling with a, hab- a hip abductor injury since earlier this year. And she's only twenty five. Fucking wow. amazing! Faith is amazing. Fifteen hundred. That's point nine three. That's just under a mile. Point nine three miles. Oh yeah, that is a fast mile. I put the translation of meters to miles because i wasn't gonna remember so i have it in my notes (laughs) but the um the last athlete i want to talk about because stories like this blow my mind and they're the things that i like live for so we have the sprinter christina timonovskaya have you heard about have you heard her story no she sounds russian belarus belarus and are you chloe at all familiar with like some of the shit happening in belarus right now no they're basically run by a dictator right now, Alexander Lukashenko. Uh, there was a big news story like a month ago or two months ago where a plane that was flying through Belarusian airspace was forced to land because there was somebody on the plane that Lukashenko wanted to put in prison. Wow. For speaking out against him. He was like a vocal opponent 
of like like someone who was like talking about how corrupt Lukashenko is and stuff like that. And that wow. reporter is in fucking prison in Belarus right now. That's terrifying. So Christina's from Belarus and she's supposed to compete in the women's 200 meter run. Her coaches, without permission or without discussing it with her, they last minute add her to like a team relay, which she has not been training for. That's not what she's been working towards. She was fucking pissed. She was like, what the fuck? And I, I, I think I tried to look up why and it looked like the, the person that she was supposed to replace like didn't complete other drug testing or something like that or some, some bullshit. It wasn't Christina's fault. Um, and she was pissed and she complains on social media about it. And Belarus, like because it's controlled by this dictator, Lukashenko, and he takes the Olympics very seriously and he considers all negative press about Belarus to be basically treason. So Christina's coaches... And the Belarus Olympic Committee, you know, like, they grab her and they bring her to the airport to try to put her on a plane back home immediately. And if she had been returned to Belarus, she likely would have been punished. Um, there's another Belarusian who speaks up against a dictatorship and she said, quote, I can argue that, that with a very high degree of probability, she would have been sent to prison, tortured, deprived of sleep, and would not be given food and water. Yeah, see, that's some evil shit. But Christina ain't no dummy. So she's at the airport and she pulls up a translation app on her phone and she figures out how to translate because she doesn't speak Japanese, right? She figures out how to translate, help me, I need help. And she asks somebody for help and they're able to like get her away from her coaches and to like put her safely like into a hotel, like hide her in a hotel. And basically she is, def she defects from Belarus and seeks asylum. And um, she had a, she had several offers immediately from other su other supportive countries because everybody knows Lukashenko in Belarus is fucked up. And so she has all these offers. People are like, you can stay with us. You can stay with us. You, can, you know, and she finally decides on Poland um, because apparently there's a number of Belarusian defectors there. Like she knows some other people and she can maybe do some good work there. And so her and her husband have both flown, been flown there and they're safe there now. That happened like a week ago. That's like ridiculous. insane. And for the record, in Belarus... 95 athletes have been detained for taking part in peaceful protests. Seven have been charged with political offenses and 124 have suffered from other different kinds of forms of repression. Since this happened, the, the coaches that tried to put her on the plane, they have had their Tokyo accreditations removed and they were asked to leave the Olympic Village. Um, the IOC had a disciplinary hearing and kicked them out. And so they can't Good. do any more damage right now which is good, but like, holy fucking shit. Unbelievable. So that is my quick rundown Whew. of so many things that happened in the Olympics. For people who aren't fans of sports, thanks for still listening. I still, I just thought these things were so amazing that they deserved to be talked about, even by people who don't understand sports. <laughs> Definitely. Um, there's, some, there's some good stuff in there. And it used to be that like when women had babies too, they'd be like just done with sports and they'd be written off and it's just right. not happening anymore. And I love that. And I love this this co-gymnastics team love. I love the co-gymnastics with China love. I just love it all. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of good stories of camaraderie and reaching, reaching quote unquote, across the aisle. So that's all I got. So thank you so much for listening. We love when you listen. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Give us a like. Visit broadsyoushouldknow.com to check out other broads. We don't have a ton of athlete broads we've done before, probably because it's not an area of interest for most of us. 
athletes. Probably. Um, but maybe that's something I'd uh, add my, on my list is f- some more athletes. So Yeah. I definitely had, I've had a few athletes in my like potentials and I just never gravitated towards them. I know, but there's a lot of stories and there's a lot of stories about things like um, political stuff. You know, like there's actually a rule in the Olympic law that you like can't do anything political on the podium. And that's mm. because in the past athletes have used that podium and that time to like talk about the fucked upness of their countries and yeah stuff. it's that famous image with the the two fists that's the kind of shit i live for i'm a revolutionary yeah. at heart that's yeah. the truth stand up to the man Tear so down all the patriarchies <laughs> that's right um so we'll see you again next week thanks for listening and come back for another broad you should know all right, next time on Broads You Should Know, I, Jupiter F. Stone, am bringing you an amazing artist that you may or may not have heard of. Uh, her name is Aaliyah. She's in headlines. And I feel confident saying that no matter when you're listening to this because she's always in headlines. She's super epic. And you need to tune in next week to find out all the reasons why. <laughs> <laughs>